Blog Talk Radio. on that thing like that in Panisia Sea Islands in the Gullah Geechee Nation all around the world. So glad that I'm going to tune in one more again for We Show, Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. This show, the Queen Quet, head from the body of the Gullah Geechee Nation. So glad to be back on the air upon Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio Station, where we to celebrate this year, Oman We Story Month. Oman Her Story Month. So glad for day with all the Oman of the world and things like that. I would have tuned into this broadcast. Thank you, thank you. So glad for raise up an Oman name this year week. Because you know every Monday we get uplifting to the living legacy and pay ancestral homage. And just about every month when this year time roll around for Oman Her Story Month, like Oman Her Story Month, yet we crack with you at least one time during the month. But who this shall be? But one more again, we going to dedicate this year program. The Mother Moses, Harriet Armenta, Tubman, Ross. So let we keep a moment of silence for this year, soldier. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. So 
glad for Dia Panisha and things like that. And so glad for all the hundred children with them. Make them over a hundred. Make them to almost a hundred thousand. Yeti Adesia showing things like that around the world. Thank you, thank you to all the hundred children with the Dia Chona to download this year from your iPod, your iPad, and read what's them with the share on social media and things like that. If you want to just tune in to the very first time, Make sure for follow me at Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio on Facebook, and you can always follow me at Gullah Geechee on Twitter, at Gullah Geechee on Instagram, so Hunter can know a little bit more about who we be on these islands in the sea. We're going from Jacksonville, North Kakalaki to Jacksonville, Florida. And so we want Hunter chilling for realize that plenty of things been going on back at Yona that people just study about them now. So for make sure all the hunt chillin' can get on standing and thing like that. It may crack my teeth me all the rest of the week throughout the program and thing so that most of my listeners around the world can understand. So I will definitely speak this way so that my listeners from around the world can under and overstand. This is Queen Quet, Chiefess and Head of State for the Gullah Geechee Nation. I'm also the founder of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition, which is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. And we're thankful that part of our legacy of accomplishments is Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. So thank you, thank you to all the Hunter children who have been a Yeti this year's show and that have made it a successful broadcast around the world. By you continuing to go in the archives and download the podcast, those who blogged and added our links to the podcast, as well as those who share us on social media with us every week. Well, I'm glad that we have this type of technology at such a critical time in our story as this. Because being a native of historic St. Helena Island, South Carolina, here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, I have been a person who was out in the forefront letting people know that this woman that we call Mother Moses and many other people during the U.S. Civil War actually were on my home island of St. Helena. And we'll have an opportunity this coming Saturday to celebrate the legacy of our soldiers, both female and male soldiers, that were here on St. Helena and throughout Beaufort County during the U.S. Civil War with big shooting things been going on. And so please join me Saturday, March the 18th at 1 p.m. sharp. We'll be there from 1 to 3, but the celebration begins at 1 p.m. sharp. Congressman James Clyburn, myself, many others that you've heard about that work at Penn Center will be there on the grounds of Historic Penn Center, which was the first school for Freedmen, and freedmen applied to men and women that was ever established in the U.S., and it was established in 1862, and we still have the institution standing unto this day. And so we want you to come and meet us, join us there on the grounds this Saturday at 1 o'clock. If you can, please bring your chairs. If you have those bag chairs, bring those with you. The ceremony won't be any long, 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 drawn-out thing, but the celebration is scheduled from 1 to 3 this coming Saturday, March the 18th, as we celebrate the new U.S. National Reconstruction Monument. And this will celebrate the legacy of many who fought, some died, and then we went into what they called the Reconstruction Era, 
right at the time of the Emancipation Proclamation. And for those who've never listened to the whole broadcast, go into the archives, just Google or go right to blogtalkradio.com, and you can type in Queen Quet and Emancipation Proclamation. You can also go on to YouTube and type in Queen Quet Emancipation, and you'll see videos of me at the Emancipation Oak Penn Center and that Emancipation Oak, which is where Camp Shaw, Camp Saxon are in Port Royal, as well as some buildings in historic downtown Beaufort, are part of a multi-site national monument. So this is going to be the kickoff celebration for that on Saturday coming. So come be a part of history in the making and our story in the making. And so here it is in this international decade of people of African descent. I see that a number of pieces to our story and our legacy are coming together finally and being put forth on the screen. This year, many of you who watched the first season of WGN's Underground found out that Underground came to the Gullah Geechee Nation. They brought cast and crew here, and we filmed in Savannah, Georgia, in the Gullah Geechee Nation for this season. And some people may have wondered, well, oh, wonder what's going on, that they're going to be in Savannah this episode because, you know, this season, because they were in Macon, Georgia, previously. Well, what has taken place is the fact that actually we shot many of our Sea Island scenes even off the coast of Georgia. And but you will see that we are on a South Carolina Sea Island on the episode. And so here it is that, yes, the show Underground, which is based on Real stories of the Underground Railroad, which now is also a national network to freedom, which we worked on as well. The Underground Railroad story has literally sprung and come to life on screen because WGN had the foresight and the insight to take on the idea of Sister Misha Green and Joe Pekaski and say that this is something that we want to bring to the world. And the visionaries behind it, I'm very proud of them because they are not just acting, they're not just writing. They're doing research and they then want to educate people about how the present sometimes imitates the past. But how we don't know our history and legacy of the past, of course you're destined to repeat it. And so Sometimes we hear that statement about destiny repeated and always think negatively, but in the case of underground, there's some things you might see that may inspire you to want to repeat them, like rising up. So here it is this season. Many were shocked at the conclusion of season one when Rosalie saw the sunshine and then who reached down with a hand to offer help from beneath the soil, from beneath the surface, Harriet Tubman. So people are like, what? Is Harriet Tubman going to be in this? Yes, the wonderful, outstanding actress, Aisha Hines, plays Harriet Tubman this season and season two. And Underground comes on WGN, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday nights. 
then I go to Facebook Live after the show goes off to kind of recap a little bit on the Gullah Geechee aspects that you'll see throughout the season. Well, what was a blessing to me was the day that I was called to the set because I was told that someone needed to talk with me, and I got to the set. They never said who someone was, and got to the set and ended up actually meeting Aisha Hines. They were now shooting the scene that many of you saw last week. So I was actually in those woods at that specific time with her and the cast and with the outstanding director, Anthony Hemingway. But when I was brought to the set, it wasn't to see that shot. It was actually so that I could be interviewed for some of the online content. And some of you saw a little, just I mean really like a one sentence compared to what all they have of what I've said so far. So God willing, throughout the season, they'll be releasing a number of other videos and embedding things at their site that are going to explain more about the history of this particular season and especially why they're here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. And so many of you will say, well, all right, well, that clears up a little bit about underground. But I still want to understand the Underground Railroad's connection to the Gullah Geechee Nation. The Gullah Geechee Nation extends from Jacksonville, North Carolina, to Jacksonville, Florida. Most of this coastline were plantations during the chattel enslavement period. So, I often said to people as I worked on the Underground Railroad study and then later on the Underground Railroad Network to Freedom and then also the Harriet Tubman study, that how can you think that you can discuss the freedom stories and people running without discussing where they were running from? You definitely cannot, you cannot explain fully this story without dealing with the plantation and where they actually were. And so here it is that when we also talk about the story of Mother Moses, Harriet Tubman, we cannot talk about the totality of who this woman was by saying, oh, she had been enslaved, and then she ran away from slavery, and she got the freedom, and and she was a strong woman. Totality of who this woman was. While there was a bounty on her head. Harriet Tubman ran into harm's way to become a soldier and literally get mustered in to service here in Beaufort County, South Carolina. So where she wasn't born Gullah Geechee because she was born in Bucktown, Maryland, She is someone that we honor here in the Gullah Geechee Nation. We have the only bridge in the world named for Harriet Tubman and will soon have a statue and monument in the city of Beaufort to Harriet Tubman's honor as well. Many of you who have toured on the Gullah Root Experience Tour over the years, if you've gone into the Beaufort Tour with me, you know we've gone by and seen the bust of Robert Smalls at Tabernacle. Well, the pastor of Tabernacle, Reverend Hodges, now has a project underway to also raise the funds for the statue. And so when we have our opening of the Gullah Geechee Visitor Center on April the 8th in Beaufort, you'll have an opportunity to meet him. You can go and bring a shiny thing and thing like that and bring your donation on that day right on along with you. And so we ain't mad at you at all. We're gladly take it. Now, 
let's back up a little bit so that I can give you some insights if you never heard of who we call Mother Moses, Harriet Tubman. She was born Amanita Ross in 1820 or 1821, and not sure because, of course, people didn't keep good records on enslaved people at this time. In most places, they did not keep those kind of records about us. And then even after enslavement, for many, many years, there were no real records kept by people about black folk, all right? And so here it is that she ended up, being called Harriet. Now, many people may not be aware, but Harriet was actually her mother's name. And so over time, the Harriet Tubman name is the one that stuck. And that's the one that we recall. That's the one that if you call it out, people will understand who it is that you are talking about. So... During the time frame of her lifetime, she was enslaved and treated as poorly as any other enslaved people or even worse. But there was something within her spirit that said to her this was unacceptable, that she didn't have to remain in this condition, that at some point, She's got to get out of it. So when she ran, she could have ran, just kept on running or ran and just settled in elsewhere in upstate New York or over in Canada like many people did. But instead, she continued to go back and get other people out of bondage. They say that she actually made 20 trips from the north to the south. And at first, they used to only credit her with the 70-some people that she basically depopulated the area of Bucktown, Maryland with. But then they started upping the number as people did more research. And then they started crediting her with 300 enslaved people that she got out. All while they now were like, there's no way. We have to stop this. So a $40,000 bounty was put out for anybody that could capture her or kill her and then bring the evidence that they had done it, they would get $40,000. Now, that's $40,000 in the 1800s. $40,000 in the 1840s. So you're talking about real money then. And in the 1850s, in the 1860s, you're talking about real money. So... I know some of y'all are saying, well, you're talking about I could use $40,000 right now. I hear you. But not if it's to give over somebody else's life that had a right to self-emancipate. And so she has been documented as having met with many people who were abolitionists to help shelter passengers from getting taken off her train which is part of why we call it the Underground Railroad, although it does not reference a real train that runs on tracks. But now, as Harriet was out there in the wilderness, literally and figuratively, because she also is a very, very spiritual woman, somewhere along the way, she heard about the battles that was going on down south. 
And so she made her way on another southward journey, further south than any of the others that I'd ever read about as a child or any of the things, even as we were doing the Harriet Tubman study that I first had come, or prior to the Harriet Tubman study that I had first had come across. And as we did the Harriet Tubman study, people were starting to find little things in the most obscure places that helped us start to piece together more and more of her story, more and more of her journey. And so when she came to Beaufort County, South Carolina, here in the Gullah Geechee Nation, she came on a ship, because people moved by boat and ships back then, called the USS Atlantic. And so when it arrived here, it arrived here at the entrance to Port Royal Sound. And so there's Fort Beauregard on St. Helena Island and Fort Walker on Hilton Head Island. And she carried a letter that she brought with her from Governor Andrew of Massachusetts that she was to report to Major General David Hunter, who also had been an abolitionist, but he was now in charge of the Department of the South. So this allowed her to come in with the general as they formed the 1st South Carolina Regiment. First South Carolina Colored Regiment, First South Carolina African Regiment, as it is on the historic marker right outside of the National Cemetery in Beaufort. And so she then got mustered into service in the Union Army as well and became literally a soldier. She also is a scout that ended up during that time going around into this area to learn more about the woods and the other things here. One of the things that's interesting that got documented about her time here in Beaufort is that she dictated letters to people who could write letters and send them out for her to her friends that were up north and New England and and New York. And so one of the things that she noted was that people were very destitute and almost naked during this time that the war was going on and that she was trying to find places for those who were able to work and to provide them, provide for them the best she could. And so they then also found, I know I found in my research, where one of the things that she did was she got the women together and they started a laundry co-op so that the women could make their own money doing laundry for the soldiers and these abolitionists and these uh, these philanthropists that were coming into the area who say, well, you know, we want to come and contribute to something. But in actuality, some of them who were coming weren't just coming to give anything. They were coming to actually make money. They were capitalists even more so in some cases than philanthropists, really. But there were those who came down during this upheaval this war, brother against brother, as they call it, or the war, northern aggression, as some folks call it, that the U.S. Civil War was. During this time frame, it's no easy time. War is never an easy time. And so, yes, hunger and starvation and people not having clothes and then you not being comfortable and it's the time of year where maybe it's not time that you can plant anything. If you also ran off to get your freedom and you were used to being able to have a plot of land to get your food from, you're far away from it now. So if you wonder, well, how could they be destitute and all that? Some of the people she was seeing had come here 
because this was a Union area. So they made sure they got away from the Confederates because the Confederates, of course, were usually mad at them and their family members who were continuing to try to keep them in bondage. And so here it is that as Mother Moses saw the people but recognized there got to be ways for them to be self-sufficient because she can't provide for these folks and needs all these thousands of people, head of people, and, and, and hold all these people down as hundred children with a say today for years to come. So folks got to do it themselves. So she started going up and down between South Carolina's coast and Florida's coast. She organized classes in washing, sewing, and cooking. Now, if y'all pay close attention to this season of underground, them sewing classes and them sewing circles ain't always what people just hear about in these folks writing. But you can't be telling everything to folks. So here it is. She taught the women who had been out in the fields all the time about keeping their house and how to make things so that the soldiers would buy them from them so this way they could get some money. They needed this change. They needed these coins and these dollars now. And so then she got together, and those who weren't in the laundry, they could go out and still sell these other types of goods. She even eventually went down to Ferndina, Florida, in a union town that was down there, and she was a nurse down there, just like she was a nurse here in Buford along with Susie King Taylor. And so... The first South Carolina, they did not get their full recognition until January 1st, 1863, when they were no longer called contraband, and that now officially because of the Emancipation Proclamation, they were now designated free. And so at the ceremony that went on, Mother Moses Harry Tubman, actually would have won, was the person who has been found, said the final words at that ceremony. Because they went ahead, they put the flag up, they sung, My Country, Tis of Thee. And then she said, this is the first flag we've ever seen which promised us anything. This is the first day we ever had a country. Powerful words. Very powerful words. But now, guess she saw she had a country. You don't have a country, but I have a land. So on that land, she continued to take a stand. And so she continued to fight. She continued to stand. She continued to be an active part of the major activities that took place. And so when we start to discuss and dialogue what's on television, let us also have the background that goes with it because there's been a lot of people wondering if she really was here. Well, she definitely was. And even one of the buildings that is now, or the site of the building, I should say, that is now going to be a part of this multi-site 
National Reconstruction Monument is a place that she's even documenting as having gone into in Beaufort. The building she went into is no longer there. There's a new building on that spot that was built in the earlier 1900s. But we have the documentation that shows where she set her feet because in her own words from testimonies that have been uncovered because of various things that went on with the military and the military people taking their copious notes, whether they were doing court-martials or they were writing their own journals. The unfortunate thing that we don't have is that the unfortunate thing is that we don't have a journal in Harriet Tubman's own writing that she had to dictate her words to others who may have written them in a way that doesn't have the same heart and soul in it that we may have gotten had we heard the words from her. Because I've read the other journals of missionaries, black and white missionaries that were here. I've read words from the men who were generals in their own journals, and it's powerful to read and to actually visualize my own ancestors there literally on the battlefield fighting for this generation that they never even got to see. And so I have always had a connection with Harry Tubman from the time I was a child. The first book I ever checked out of a public library had her image on it. But in no book had I ever read that she was in Beaufort County, South Carolina. I never read a story that talked about that. I could always quote you her birth date and where she was born and where she ran to and her home of the ages. I could tell you all those names of places, Auburn, New York, and Bucktown, Maryland, over and over and over as a small little black girl, never knowing that I would later fight to tell from the perspective of my people from my town, and from the Gullah Geechee Nation. And that here it was, that this woman, that now has come to be honored to the to the highest in U.S., her story, in the sense that now that they'd like to take a couple of dead presidents off of some dollar bills in the U.S., her face is to go on one. We'll see if that actually comes out, because when it does, I know I am going to get me a couple hundred dollars worth of this $20 bills to just keep, because it's going to be a battle to get it printed in that way, because it also was already a competitive thing to figure out what woman would make it on the $20 bill in the U.S., and Harriet Tubman was supposedly chosen. I just want to see how long it is before the U.S. Mint actually mints this bill and allows people to stand there with this bill in their hand, look in the face of this woman called Moses, no less, and a black woman called Moses, no less, and then say, who is she? And then take the time to go find out how she took a stand and how she didn't just stand for herself, but for people, and especially for her own people. And to then find out that when... She finally felt that she had a country, how she fought for it, just as hard as she fought for her family to be free, just as hard as she then fought for you and me. And so I was honored years ago 
by being able to receive the Harry Tubman Woman of Distinction Award, and then I got the Harry Tubman Beauty Spirit Award, and then I got the opportunity to work in a Harry Tubman study, and then that became enacted into law, and the journey with Harry Tubman's spirit obviously is not over for me because walking out into the woods here in the Gullah Geechee Nation and encountering a beautiful open spirit that immediately embraced me as soon as I said, well, I'm Queen Quet, Chiefess of the Gullah Geechee Nation. And that's what Aisha Hines did. With me not having seen her yet portray Herrick, I knew her spirit and her energy felt right. And now that I've had an opportunity to see her on the screen, again, her spirit feels right. And so it was no shock to see her on the red carpet and at the opening, at the premiere, dressed in a soldier's uniform. Because that's the question Underground is now asking. Are you a citizen or a soldier? Are you a citizen or a soldier? And so here it is that Harriet Tubman, as a soldier, would go out during the day, serve, literally serve, folks. As a nurse, shield folks, turn around and go home. As she would quote to folks to my little cabin, Make 50 pies, great quantity ginger bread, cover cask of root beer. And then she did that because she wanted to go ahead and sustain herself. She also wanted to go ahead and make sure that she had things that she could share with others. And while she was here, she had the opportunity to encounter and meet another black woman who came from the north, south here, to my island, St. Helena Island, to where I'm inviting you to join me this coming Saturday on March 18th from 1 to 3. She met a woman named Charlotte Fortin. The Fortin family is known for being abolitionists themselves, and some of you might be familiar with the Fortins who are sailmakers for boats. Charlotte Fortin's journal I found very powerful, and I had the opportunity, the first film I ever tried out for, and I did get the part, was for Charlotte Fortin's mission. But the day that they wanted to shoot my part, I had an exam, so I went and took my exam. I was a straight-A student, as opposed to showing up there on that set. I didn't know years later I'd have this opportunity to do all this again. But the journey has been interesting, to say the least. Charlotte Fortin courted the visit she and Harriet Tubman had. And she said how Harriet continues to do good, brave work and that Harriet kept an Eden house and a kitchen, most likely for the needy. And she did this because she had money coming in from what they call the wash house that laundry co-op, and also teaching the women, and they would give us something for that. And so here it is that 
people can go back now and go through records of those little ledger books and see now the things that she used to purchase and then realize, well, wow, why was she purchasing in such abundance? Because everything about her was abundant. It was never just for her. It was always for her to share and to give to someone else. So I often wish I had an opportunity to go back in time and sit there and listen to what a conversation her and Charlotte Fortin, who Charlotte Fortin was more demure, as one might say, you know, and an educated woman and had come from the best in New England and had these opportunities afforded her where Harriet had come from the fields, had been enslaved, was a woman of vision that she had a third eye, she had insights, but she also had she had uh, seizures where she would have narcoleptic seizures where she would go out to sleep and then just suddenly wake back up. And so here it is that they had the chance to encounter each other more than once. And I guess where Charlotte was here as a teacher and an educator, her role was very important, but it wasn't necessarily life-threatening where Harriet's was every day. So she admired her wherewithal and her strength. But true black women soldiers, that's what we do. We admire the strength in the other woman that we see because we know together we can fight down anything that comes our way. And if it's God or you anyway, you're already in the majority. And you have the majority. God be for us. Who can be against us? So obviously, God was for us. God was for folks like Charlotte Fortin and Harriet Tubman and Susie King Taylor. These women come here to Beaufort County, South Carolina. God was for us to have Misha Green and Joe Vakaski somehow come across a group of people called Gullah Geechee and not find us something just quaint, something to just include as a footnote, something to have somebody come up in there singing or doing storytelling, but to actually say, wait a minute, this story of still continuing to fight, this story of still continuing to hold on has to be told in some way, in some context. And if we are going to tell people to rise up and be citizens or soldiers, why not make that something that they need to even answer in regard to the Gullah Geechee Nation. So I ask you to tune in every week to Underground, but with it from that lens. What is it that you're seeing that you can do something about now? What are you hearing that makes you think of something going on now? Which means that you can participate. But will you? Because freedom is always a choice. There's never a time that freedom It's not a choice. Freedom is always a choice. So here it is that when we talk about January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation, 
being read on the Port Royal and celebration breaking out there and another celebration being held right here on St. Helena Island. And I pray the one we have Saturday will go down in history as great as those did and as great as the one in Charleston did. You might think that because I said that Harriet had those last words at that celebration, that those were her last words. Well, no, those wasn't her last words because the fight wasn't over with. War hadn't ended. That was just another proclamation. Like special field order 15 was proclaimed during this time frame. There's all kind of proclamations. Doesn't make people just stop everything else that they might have been doing and then just adhere to it. But now that Harriet knew that she finally had a country, she set out to fully fight for the people of that country, the citizens of that country. And she went along the Cumbie River, freed some 700 to 750 Gullah Geechee, got them to go on out there with her into the wilderness, scout. And on June 2nd, 1863, she and Union Colonel James Montgomery led 150 black Union soldiers in what is now called the Cumbie River Raid. She went out on this boat on that day. And I should say on the night, because, you know, at war you got to travel when it's more covert. On the night of June 2nd, there were three federal gunboats that set sail from Beaufort. And they went up the Cumbie. And when they went up, they knew there were these, as they call them, torpedoes that the Confederates had planted along the river. Because out of them 750 folk, that she had already come in contact with that been in rice plantations all along the Cumbie and the Cumbie River divides Beaufort County and Carlton County here in the Gullah Geechee Nation in South Carolina, part of the Gullah Geechee Nation. That's where the Harry Tubman Bridge crosses is the Cumbie River. They knew that these torpedoes that were out there, these missiles that were out there, were what they would need to really disband. And so they did this raid to get up there and get out and get folks to dismount these missiles, these torpedoes. And they knew by doing this, they would be in a much better standing for the Union to win over the Confederacy. So as I often say, Harry Tubman helped turn the tide for our freedom when she got mustered into service as a Union soldier. And so it was fine with her coming along because she looked like the other folks here. She ain't been a cracker deep like this y'all nothing. But at least she looked like the people. She knew how to communicate with her people. But they said when those gunboats came up that river, people were frightened by them. And so... When they start hearing her voice come off from them, 
And her talking to them, people weren't frightened now. They realized they could go with her to freedom. But then it was too many that tried to board. So they got about 750 on board, but they would have sunk had they got everybody on it that wanted to come. Some people were wading out literally into the water trying to come and join them and get on. And so here it is that not everybody could get on board, and they told them, if y'all wait, we'll send some more back for you. But we can't just let everybody get on this one. And they also were on a mission. They needed to get those Union troops who were on board off and onto the shore. So these folks helped them destroy the estates of a bunch of the secessionists. And Gully Geeches, many of you have them last names, Haywood and Milton and Lowndes. Yes, these folks were the ones that were part of the Confederacy and had succeeded from the Union. South Carolina was the first to succeed from the Union. But Mother Moses, that 150 men, 750 Gully Geeches, went and raided and destroyed those plantations. They burned they pillaged. They made sure that these folks knew we at war. We fight for who he be. And we grind be free. And so here it is that I don't know if we'll ever get documents that give us any of the names of the 750 people beyond the last names that they might have kept after getting back down to Port Royal Island and getting down there to Camp Saxon, Camp Shaw, and shouting that they'd now be free because they met Mother Moses. And I don't know if we'll ever know if those of those men who were aboard who signed up to go into service themselves now that they were down there and they were proud to help don that blue uniform and get involved in the fight. I don't know if we'll ever know their names of those Gullah Geechis who but right ya Enish your Carolina gold that day this your mother Moses soul become for Johnny for we. But I do know that we know the name of Harry Tubman here in Beaver County, South Kakalaki. And I so glad he'd been a crackety with me since I've been a legal. But make sure I've been doing that. I've been a speaking in. And I've been gonna quit looking for things with the name and the fears for top of and I've had this opportunity now to continue to embody her spirit and her soul and to represent the power and the strength that she had of wanting people to be free and wanting to provide for them and to continue to be able to honor her legacy by doing the best I can with what I got to help our people to stand. And as we say, as part of the underground, rise up. Rise up. Rise up. So I'm looking forward to hearing from a lot of you on Facebook, Facebook Live, with as the season continues to go on, and definitely with your tweets. Make sure that you tweet us at Gullah Geechee. You can also follow Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio on Facebook. Please be a fan. You can also email us to G-U-L-L. G-E-E-C-O at A-O-L dot com. G-U-L-L-G-E-E-C-O at 
AOL dot com at any time to crack on the teeth with we. But more than that, I pray that I get to see you this coming Saturday at one o'clock here on St. Helena as we celebrate this legacy of freedom. The soldiers that fought, the women that healed them, nursed them back to health, got them back standing, and got them to keep on rising, and the women that rose with them that part of this Reconstruction journey. And that we will now do the same thing as we deconstruct the mythology that people have taught about African people, that we needed somebody else to tell us to be free or to teach us how. That has not been our true legacy, as you've heard here many times on Gully Geechee Rhythm Radio. So in these last few minutes, I'm going to open up the phone lines for anybody that would like to call in and comment. Thank you, thank you to all the 100 children with did from Facebook to Yeti this year live. Thank you, thank you to you if you to download them for the archive and you're Yeti them after the show but done going off. Please call in if you have some comments at 347-324-3903. 347-324-3903. But also in these final minutes, I want to make sure that y'all don't sit around and say, well, I'm going to listen to Queen Quit last week and think like that ain't even see a ring of cracker teeth when we come Monday, but we're going to grind on at the Black Land Legacy Conference. Well, no, I did not forget that I told you I would give you a recap of our inaugural Black Folks Land Legacy Conference powerhouse event. I'm still getting emails, I'm still getting tweets, I'm still getting Facebook messages from the full and and Facebook commentary on the thread under the photographs on Saturday. We had the inaugural Black Folks Land Legacy Conference here on Historic St. Helena Island last Friday through Sunday to yesterday. We had people that attended from South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, New York, Chile, the country Chile, all right, we also had folks there from Massachusetts and Minnesota. It was wonderful, and New Jersey, someone that was there also from New Jersey. It was wonderful to have the opportunity to have a gathering in which we could have a powerhouse of speakers dialogue about the historical legacy of our ancestors beyond 40 acres and a mule. What led up to William Tecumseh Sherman's special field order number 15, what came out of it in terms of Gullah Geechee land ownership, and what has since happened with black land ownership, in particular in the South, where our land is often assessed and and presented through census data as black agricultural land. What has happened in the evolution of that black land ownership? So we had presentations from Dr. Amir Jamal Teray of Day Clean Journeys. We had the person who was the reporter and the person who actually scribed the Uniform Airs Property Partition Act, Professor Thomas Mitchell. We also had uh, from the Center from Airs Property, the Law Center for Airs Property, who was also part of the is Property Preservation Organization that started up many generations back now. See, it feels like um, Brother Willie Bruce Hayward, who I've worked with on many different things, and you've heard him here on Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio discussing is Property as well, and you can always go back in the archives and listen to that interview. And we also had our folks from 
Elder Carly Town from the Gullah Geechee Angel Network. Representative Glenda Simmons Jenkins of the Gullah Geechee Cultural Heritage Committee of Northeast Florida. Also, Ashley Green and Sister Thelma Gilliard from Mesquita Beach that were all there to be a part of this historic dialogue that took place with students that came from a number of places as well, from Pace University, from Union Theological Seminary, and even from New York uh, University that came down to be a part of this, as well as folks who are law students at the American Institute of Human Rights. And we also had a presentation from Sister Elena Porter from that institute and attorney, Musa Danfodio, who I've worked with many years with IRAM, the International Human Rights Association for American Minorities. And so to bring together these speakers in one place, trust and believe me, it was a miracle. It was a vision that was hard to even feel real while I was in the midst of it because to actually just envision something on one day and begin knowing, I'm going to do it, and then contact everyone, and they all say yes, and they're all available, and then have them come there and stay through the entire thing. Because many times speakers speak and then they leave. But to be there to fully engage in it and now have the emails and the Facebook messages to say, and I'm looking forward to next year, and I already have been given the topic by the Spirit already for next year, it is going to continue to be a powerhouse event. But more than that, to now get Facebook messages saying, tagged on it, and then see that here are some of our Gullah Geechee young people who said, well, I was there. I never inherited any land, but now having been at the conference, I know that I want to own land now. That made me sure my living is not in vain. So to have this month be women's, some people say history month, I say women's her story month. This is Black National Black Her Story Month as well. This is Gullah Geechee Volunteer Month. This is the International Decade of People of African Descent. This is the 20th anniversary year for the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition. I know that it is divinely ordered that all these things that are happening this month are being directed from on high, that it is not by accident, there is no coincidence that this month encompassed not only the relaunching or the rebeginning of our St. Helena community market going on and me having a chance to speak before the Society of Ethnomusicologists, the Southeastern Caribbean chapter, to begin the month, to then proceed with the Black Folks Land Legacy Conference, to then proceed with Reconstruction National Monument, community celebration, and then to be able to wrap the month up with a bowl by being able to have our getting ready for the Gullah Geechee Family Reunion on February, I mean, not February, March the 25th at the St. Helena Branch Library. So one event ended successfully, but we are not done. The work is only beginning. And we're going to honor the legacy of Mother Moses 
and our Gullah Geechee ancestors whose names, like I say, we may never find any documentation to give us that role of names, but they were there. At the Cumbie River Raid, they were there. There were other nurses, I'm sure, that she trained, and laundresses and others that she trained, that their families are still here in this county. The way we can honor them, even without being able to know their names, is to be living embodiments of their spirit of survival and self-sufficiency. So we have to keep our legacy alive on this land. Rise up and do that with we. Thank you, thank you to all the children for tuning in one more again for We Show Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio. Again, you can always tweet us at Gullah Geechee. You can find us on Instagram at Gullah Geechee. And then you can also go to Facebook and become a Gullah Geechee Nation fan, a Gullah Geechee Rhythm Radio fan. And you can always email us, but become a member of the Gullah Geechee Sea Island Coalition by going to gullahgeechee.net. Now, Hunter Chillin, God willing, you know where I'm going to be next Monday. Right here, Pun We Show, Gullah Geechee, Rhythm Radio. But I know right now, it's time for we get ready, for we go. And we pray that as you go on your honor, freedom be in your mind, and that you think of so. So God bless all the Hunter Chillin out there on the journey. Keep fighting so all of we can be free. See you on a chillin' right your punch and tell them. Sati. Tanky tanky. God bless you. Punish your freedom journey. Queen Quet, the who I be. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>